Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, operating in the mystical realm to steward a move of Holy Spirit, a supernatural impartation of power and deliverance, but how should we interact with angels? Ryan Hart is the founding pastor and senior leader of Kingdom Church in St. Louis, Missouri. He is passionate about seeing people personally experience the presence and power of God. His ministry is marked with biblical teaching that is faith-building and equips believers to demonstrate the reality and love of the resurrected Jesus. Ryan moves in the power of the Holy Spirit and regularly sees the sick healed, the lost saved, and the tormented free. I really have enjoyed uh, getting to build a relationship with Ryan Hart and uh, we still haven't gotten to meet in person, but we've gotten to do uh, a Zoom call. Actually, we, we were on a call, Justin, Ryan, and I, to record this podcast. It didn't work out. We were having some technical issues, so we, jo- we just sat and talked uh, on a call and talked about dead raising and hunger for the Lord and all kinds of other stuff. And I really got to see his heart. He's an incredible, um, incredible man of God. He's also a leader, and uh, I think I think he carries a, a really beautiful uh, wisdom on how to steward people while also uh, putting Holy Spirit first and stewarding the move of Holy Spirit first, and how those things come together. Uh, so I think you're going to love this episode, and uh, make sure you share th- you share this podcast with your friends, share it on your social media. Um, when this comes out, share it on your Instagram stories, all those sorts of things. It helps us get the word out. It helps us actually uh, show up higher in the search results and things like that, um, you know, just by the having more people listen to the podcast. Also, please leave us a, a review anywhere, any podcast app you have that has the ability to leave a review, like Apple Podcasts, leave a review. That'll help us show up higher in the search results as well. Lastly, if you if this podcast or our ministry has impacted you in any way, would you consider uh, a one-time or monthly uh, gift of support to help us sustain and grow what we're doing here? Uh, and you know, ultimately, the goal is we want to see this reach more people and stir more people uh, into a place of hunger for the real Jesus. We want more people to see who he really is. So your, your support helps us do that. You can go to firemovement.com slash support. There you can choose a one-time or monthly gift. But thank you so much for those who support regularly and, uh, uh, or at all. Just thank you. It's an honor uh, to be doing this, and it's an honor to have you guys support that. So thank you so much. Thank you for what you do. And I just pray it multiplies back to you. So... We are going to jump into uh, my conversation with Justin and Alan and our guest, Ryan Hart, after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. 
He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with my co-host, Justin Allen. You want to say hi to what's people? What's up? What's up? How's it going, everybody? Yeah. So this is his first time hosting. Uh, you've been a part of one of the roundtables, and you've also been a guest, so it's good to have you back. Good uh, to be here. Awesome. Uh, and then on the show today, we have Ryan Hart, pastor, apostle, uh, of the of the third degree i i don't i don't know a title to give you but uh, ryan is good yeah and a fellow ryan so it's gonna this is gonna be good (laughs) it's good to be here man yeah glad to have you on so we you know we've i know justin has known you since before uh which we'll get into in a second but i i heard about you from glory uh oh yeah castillo and so uh you know because she was helping out with dive and uh so I've heard good things from her. Actually, I hit her up uh, when we first tried to record this because we've had lots of issues, um, and she gave me some things to ask you about. So, oh, fun! If I ask you some things that are really creepy and seem like I like dug into your life, <laughs> it's, uh, it's glory. That's, that, yeah, it's it's all glory. It's not my fault. Glory is what that's awesome. Yeah. So, how do you guys know each other? Uh, you guys want to share that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Go for it, right? No, no. Dive in. <laughs> I, well, I think we. We first met, I think I first started following him or whatever through social media, but then we met at a Global Awakening event um, through a mutual friend of ours, Eddie Thomas. Um, we, were, we, were at a, we were in Birmingham, Alabama, and there was a Global Awakening event, and we, we touched base there, stayed in contact. But really, I, I, if I remember right, where we really got to know each other pretty well and our fr- friendship really took off was on a Brazil trip uh, in December a few years ago, three years ago or so now. And uh, I went down with Global Awakening and Justin was on that trip and him and I spent a good bit of time in the back of a car plus other things together and <laughs> just having fun. And we've, we've really been connected since. So he actually he actually serves in our church. He's been to our church. He serves as a part of our like apostolic oversight. And um, so we've, we've been friends since. Yeah, man, that was a wild trip, too. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, there's so this is worth this is worth diving into a little bit. So like, you know, sometimes you know people and then you really get to know people. Right. And uh, I was like the low guy on the totem pole at Global, I guess. So I didn't get like a full team to go with me. And Pat's like, I want you to pick two people to go with you and I'm going to send you out to this church. And I don't know. I'm flying blind. I don't know where we're going. So I was like, I'm picking Ryan. And then I think uh, Shane. Was it Shane that was with us? North Carolina, South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Just down the way. He's from Asheville. Asheville. Yeah. Um, so he's just down the way from me. And uh, then they're like, all right, great. 
and uh, this car comes to pick us up. These people don't speak English at all, and we don't know where we're going. And it was like a two-hour car ride. And <laughs> we go to this church. I have no way to contact and, anybody. And it wasn't just so. any car. It was a small car. <laughs> and I'm not the smallest of guys. So you got the three oh. of us crammed into this back seat together, just going on these like Brazilian roads, you know, bumping all around. And yeah, it was a good one. It was like a clown car. It was great. We <laughs> really was. got to know each other. That that's 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 when you know your family. Um, but we survived and and we're good friends to this day. So yep. must have been something right there. That's so good. Yeah, and then Ryan, where uh, tell tell everyone where you're based out of. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, we uh, it's home for me. It's been home for many years. So I grew up here. Uh, my wife and I uh, we met here. You know, she grew up here. I moved away for, for just a, a little while. I was in Florida for a little bit, Alabama for a little bit. and, um, and But but St. Louis really is home, and it's where I've, I've been for the majority of my life. So back in 2018, it was August 25th, 2018, we started a church in the city here in St. Louis. So not too far from downtown, kind of on the edge of downtown and what would start to be South City. And so it's uh it's it's been it's been a blast. So St. Louis, Missouri. I'm not a huge fan of the Midwest because there's not a lot of like I'm a nature guy and there's not a lot of great nature in the Midwest. But I do I love my city. Like St. Louis is a pretty great place. There's lots of great corn though. Oh, so uh... much great corn! <laughs> so you got to come see go, it. Go take a long walk through a cornfield. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So I was told uh, by Glory that you've been with your wife since 12 years old. Yes. Is there a story yeah. behind that? That No, accurate. Very accurate. So um, jokingly, she's not here to, to defend herself in any way. So jokingly, I always say she saw me and wanted me for my body and just refused to let me go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so, um, but on a more serious note, still funny, we actually, so I grew up in the Assemblies of God, right? That's, uh, that's, that's where my roots go back to. And my dad is a AG pastor. Her dad was on the board of an Assemblies of God church and they needed a pastor. So my dad, my dad ended up becoming the pastor of their church. And she saw me on like the night my dad interviewed at the church type deal, my you know whole family went there and she goes home and she tells her parents, someday I'm going to marry Ryan Hart. She tells her parents that. And uh, sure enough, we, uh, we were in middle school, 12, 13 years old. And I wrote her one of those notes. Will you go out with me? Yes, no, maybe, you know, had to throw the maybe in there. <laughs> Always have to. And, uh, and so she, she actually, you know, by, by lunchtime we were holding hands and we've never stopped holding hands since. So, uh, oh, man. yeah, middle school, high school, college, all the fun stuff. And so we've, we've been together, we've been married for 10 years, uh, but we dated for like 10 years before that. So we've, we've been together for like 20, a little, almost like 21 years now, which is wild. So wow. that's crazy. Yeah. Somewhere there's a middle schooler getting a lot of hope right now oh man they're they're convinced they're gonna marry their crush i know listen we were youth pastors for a little bit and i was like i don't want any any of these like sixth graders to hear how we met because it's not happening most likely (laughs) for you right like i'm I'm like oh man parents would hear our story and go don't tell my kid you know (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awesome. So you obviously, you grew up in the church. What, you know, what did that look like encountering God or, or, you know, when did you legitimately start really following Jesus? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, my family, I've got an incredible heritage. Um, my, my family's amazing. I'm so thankful for them. Uh, my great grandmother was like a traveling tent evangelist, Pentecostal holiness, you know, tent evangelist, um, in Georgia, South Carolina, and, uh, saw a lot of like words of knowledge and healings. Um, and then, uh, you know, my grandfather is a pastor, my dad's a pastor. And, and so I really did grow up in church culture, you know, probably like by the time of my 15th, 16th birthday, I've been in church more than most people had their lives, like one of those stories. Right. And I know there's others with that same story, but, um, for me, you know, I really, I'm so thankful because I, I did grow up around the presence of God, you know, like I, my mom, my mom is a presence lady. My dad's a presence guy. And so I grew up around the presence. And, uh, but for me, when you say like, man, when did this really kick off for you? I, I grew up also, even though I, I was familiar with God's presence from a really young age, I was like terrified of going to hell. So I would like do that whole, okay, God, if I, if I, if I send at all today, please don't kill me in my sleep. I don't want to go to hell. I'd do one of those every night, you know, that was my mindset. And, uh, but did you, but, yeah. uh, did you, uh, have the fears of the rapture too? Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. I, I had the whole come home, get off the school bus, right? Nobody was in the house. And then you freak out and got to call grandma because <laughs> grandma don't answer the phone. It's done. You know, like yeah, grandma oh, always Lord. answers. So <laughs> <laughs> totally, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, so I, I, I was honestly, man, I, I grew up in church and so I've, I've been around the presence of God, you know, and who he is from a really young age. But I remember my family had just moved to the St. Louis area. So my dad just became a pastor, uh, the pastor of the church where my wife and I met. And there was a see you at the pole youth rally. Right. And so um, every September, you know, that's a see you at the pole national thing. And. And so there was a citywide youth rally where a lot of the youth groups cross-denominationally in our city came together. And and uh, there was somebody just presenting the gospel. And something clicked in my heart that night. And and I, I previously was like really sin aware. But that night I became very God aware. And uh, mm. and that night was, was like the night. It was a Wednesday. Uh, and so that was the night I just I, – I, I knew in my heart that I was giving God my life, not just my sins for the – one billionth time, man, because I was giving him my sins every night at that point. I'm like, oh, uh, but that was the night where I was like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to live for you. Like I'm giving you my life. And, and that would be a moment if I could point to, it's hard because I grew up in church and I have memories before that moment of being in God's presence. But if I had to point to like a, a, a born again moment, so to speak, that, that would be that moment. And so, um, and so, yeah, so I grew up, you know, and uh, it wasn't long after that. It was maybe a month and a half or so after that. I had my first encounter with uh, something demonic in nature. And I was like, okay, so this is crazy. A friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine, we were in band at school and there was this girl who started manifesting. And so we were trying to cast a demon out of her. I'm only like 12 <laughs> years old. I'm in seventh grade, you know, maybe 13, but seventh grade. And we were super unsuccessful at it. You know, did not, we, we were not successful at getting her set free. 
but that was kind of my foray. Whenever, whenever I really began to just like follow Jesus and give him my everything, um, you know, I, I grew up in this environment where I had heard all of these stories from my great grandmother, who was a, like I said, a traveling evangelist, had a big healing ministry. Um, you know, and I just heard all of these stories of God's supernatural power. But growing up, I, I had actually not seen any demonstrations of power. I'd never seen one person healed. I'd never seen one person delivered. Um, I, had, I had never seen any signs, wonders, miracles. Although I had been very acquainted with presence, I, I had actually no grid for power. And, uh, and so it wasn't really long. It was really right away once I really began to follow Jesus with everything in my heart that that, 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 that really became like, I want to see the stuff, you know, and all the things I had heard of and testimonies I'd heard of really kind of became hunger, um, where maybe at one point they could have been doubts. They, they really became hunger. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not seeing the stuff I've heard of. So is it really true? Instead it became, I'm not seeing the stuff I've heard of. So, uh, what, 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 where else can I look? Like, I, I know it's there, you know, and it became hunger. And, uh, so yeah. And so that, that, that was kind of the beginning and man, God was so, so kind to my wife and I both, you know, I had my first deep radical moment with God. <clears throat> I was, I had to be a sophomore in high school and, uh, and I was in youth group and I don't know if you've ever had one of those nights where you bring somebody to church, right. And, and your, your pastor, whoever it is, just doesn't do their best. Well, I brought a friend to youth group that night, and it was not a good night. Uh, I remember thinking, oh, come on, dude, preach better. Like, I, I was so embarrassed. I know that's bad to say, right? But I just was. I was like, my friend's with me. And so, because the whole time my youth pastor at that point in time was just going, he's crying the whole time he's speaking. And he only talks for like five minutes this night. And he, all he can do is cry. And he just says, guys, God loves you. God loves you so much. And I'm going, okay, you've got to give us something better. I brought friends tonight. Like, come on. And he's, and he finally, at the end, after saying like, you know, John three sixteen like six times and God loves you like 20 times. He goes, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step away. And if you just, if you want to experience God's love, come to the front. And I was like, man, well, this is embarrassing because it's a really bad night. I'm going to go up to the front just so he doesn't look bad. Honestly, that's where my mind was like just typical PK. I got to save the dude. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's great. So I walked up to the front, man. And honestly, I, I sat down, got on my knees. I'm like, I'll be here for a minute and then go back to my seat. But then the presence of God began to fall on me and, and his love began to fall on me. And I, I started crying and crying and crying and crying. And then I, I actually ended up just falling over like in the fetal position on the floor and just wept and wept and wept and wept. And, and after, I don't know how long I got up to go use the bathroom and I was in the men's bathroom at the church at the urinal and I couldn't stand and I fell over by the urinal on the floor and just wept. So, you know, it's God, cause that is absolutely disgusting uh, because I, I, I couldn't stand, man. I was overcome with the, just honestly the love of the father. And, uh, it was, did, it was uh, a really cool did, thing. Did somebody come and bring one of the, uh, what do they call them? The cloths, what they call them, uh, the modesty, <laughs> the, all cloth? The modesty cloth. <laughs> no, honestly, we didn't get that because that wasn't normal for our church culture at that time. So I was just left there by myself with people looking at me like, this is weird, you know? Um, yeah. and so I, I did eventually, you know, stand up and kind of walk out of the bathroom. I leaned against a wall. 
and I, I just slid down the wall and I went into my first, uh, whether you want to call it vision, trance, whatever, whatever language you want to use. I went into like this first encounter where, where the Lord just grabbed me and took me into his heart. And he began to wow. speak to me about saying, Ryan, son, this is, this is, you're going to know my love. You will know my love. And, uh, and so, you know, I, that's, that's kind of my, my early years and, uh, and, and walking with Jesus. He really was so kind to me and I said, Lord, I'm going to give you my all. And he ended up bringing me in and he said, okay, let's go. So, yeah. That's incredible. It's so good. It's beautiful. Uh, that, I mean, that's the short of the testimony, man. That's the short of it. It, it was honestly it was a beautiful encounter and uh, it's one that I've, I've, I've gone back to in my mind to, to, to date. You know what I mean? It's uh, the Lord just honestly, he opened up his heart and said, come on in, you will know my love. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it says a lot that the, uh, the message wasn't, wasn't quote unquote, you know, it wasn't great preaching. Right. Uh, but th- there's something about like, whoever that youth pastor was, they were obviously <clears throat> overflowing, you know, and just in that place of like almost desperation, which I can Absolutely. see it's easy to get there as a youth pastor, just like desperate <laughs> for something to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. Oh, no, he was a great youth pastor. I just remember that night going, Oh, come on. I brought friends. This is all you're doing tonight. Oh man. But he was wrecked. You know, he was just wrecked is what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, but that mm-hmm. wasn't our normal. And so I didn't know what to expect. And then, uh, and then I just got the love of God, you know, it happened. <laughs> He's so good. Come on. Now, were you the only one? Did your friends get touched? Did, you know, you know what? I, I honestly couldn't tell you what happened to the rest of the room that night. I really don't know. <laughs> um, it's a good night. It was a good night. Well, because whenever, after I came out of the bathroom and I, and I ended up, you know, like sliding down the wall. Um, it was, you know, I, I'm, you know, it was a unique thing because I remember my eyes were wide open, but I was so keenly aware of this separation between me and everybody else. And it's almost, mm. uh, and I, I'm not trying to be over the top spiritual or weird here, but it's almost like I was in this bubble and it's like, I could almost see that like, and, and I remember, uh, the youth pastor's kid, you know, maybe, maybe three and a half, maybe four years old. Right just this little toddler was running and I was, I always played with him. Right. And so this, this little kid, his name's Kinder, right. And Kinder starts running and he's coming over to play and he gets right to the edge of where I could see like this, this bubble that I was in uh, with my eyes open. I could visibly see it and he gets right to the edge of it and he stops and then he, and then he just backs up and walks away. And, uh, and then that's when I go into this, mm-hmm. this, this vision thing where I, I see the heart of the Lord and he invites me to step into his love. And uh, so, yeah, that was, I don't really remember a lot of who was there and what happened that night because it was, it was one of the first nights that I really ever had the Lord actually, I can go back and say, the Lord spoke to me. And and that's one of the first times. Mm -hmm. And I can go back earlier and say, oh yeah, he was obviously speaking here, but just those defining, like the Lord spoke to me. And it was, uh, there, it was a defining moment where he had touched my life before but this was the first time where it was in such an intimate way, you know, and he had marked my life. Uh, you know, my dad, like I said, being a pastor, I remember one of the things that happened growing up is my, my, um, my dad was a youth pastor at this church in Northern Indiana and, and the senior pastor of the church would often, 
whenever I was just a kindergartner, first grader, you know, he would pull me out of kids church and uh, he would hold me in his arms as he'd walk around and pray for people in the altar time, you know? And so like, there's been moments where the Lord actually had marked me previously. And I can remember being in fourth grade. Uh, I remember being at a service and, and I saw people just weeping. And I just remember it was, that's one of the, my first memories I actually have of, of seeing the spirit move on someone and people were weeping. And uh, I got up and, and the next day I went and I was at recess at school, right? Fourth grade. And I preached the gospel at recess for the first time, uh, you know, and led my friends to Jesus. And it was a marking moment. I have that memory. Uh, but, but those, while those were marking moments that, that one that I just talked about, like, uh, my sophomore year, that was really the first intimate, I heard the voice of the Lord and it was deeply like father and son. And unfortunately I, it took me years to actually walk and understand him as a father. Cause, cause I didn't have my mind renewed to that. Um, and so I, I really viewed God as more of a general in a sense, even walking out of that place. I didn't let that moment really renew my, my thought process and, and views, but that, that was still such a powerful moment that really affected so much moving forward because I, I believe that God was with me after that. Like, even though I maybe didn't always seem his father, I still kind of had more of a general idea. Um, I, I just, I believed he was with me, like anything and everything after that was like, the Lord's with me. He loves me. <laughs> that that was that was really imparted i want to jump in and and just just like yeah pull out something power powerful that you said because you said that it was unfortunate that you didn't allow that encounter to change your thought process that eventually over time it still took could you maybe speak to just for a minute to someone listening who's had a series of encounters but they're struggling to walk out the reality of that encounter with their life how did you get from encounter to fruition in your life of like the love of the father, the relationship, heart of the father, father, son relationship in a truncated version? Maybe what did that look like for you? But was it the word? Was it discipleship? Was it due process? I, I think that's just what you said was so powerful. I've never heard anybody articulate that. So many, so many stories within charismatic Christianity about encounter and marking moments, you said a defining moment in your life, but what was that process that followed that defining moment or that encounter? Yeah. For me, you know, you asked if it was maybe the word or discipleship or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And I'd say it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, Mm. uh, I I think I was very, I, I think our relationship with God should always our focus should be intimacy. Like I, I actually want to know Holy Spirit. He, he's my friend. I want to know him and I want, I want to have this connection with him. That's beautifully intimate. Um, but I, I also don't want that to replace the discipline of, of reading scriptures and the discipline of prayer. I think there's something real powerful there. Um, and so for me, I, I really was undisciplined and and reading my Bible. Mm. Uh, I never read the Bible. Um, and my prayer life was pre-service prayer at church for the most part. Um, and so even though I had these moments that I could look at and go, man, that was just sovereignly the Lord saying, Ryan, I got you. Because I, even though I had a heart that was bent in towards the Lord, I wasn't, if I'm honest, pursuing him Monday through, you know, every seven days a week. And I wasn't disciplined in any of those things. Um, and so I think part of like, when I had that encounter, the reason I still didn't see him as a, 
a father, I still viewed him more of, of this general and I'm in the Lord's army. So God, whatever you tell me to do, give me my marching orders and I'll do it. Right. Um, kind of that, that ideology that really was a product of the culture I was around. And, and so I think for us, when we, we got to realize when we renew our minds, how we renew our minds is important. What we new, renew our minds with is important. And so, you know, I, I think that we got to remember like encounters, encounters carry crazy potential. Uh, but Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so like the forgiveness of sins is not synonymous with, with a renewed thought process. And one mm. moment of impartation is not always synonymous with, with renewed thinking. And so for me, I had yeah. this encounter, but not everything changed. And then slowly what happened is I, I, as I began to read, for me, where the process began is uh, I was in my senior year of high school. And so this is a couple years later. And I began for the first time to my own, probably to my shame, right? Growing up in church, but to my, for my first time, I actually read the book of Matthew. And I was, I was reading Matthew. And as I read the gospel, I, I saw the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of his God is like hmm. over and over and over and over again. And so I had never done a Bible study before. And so I, I didn't know how to study the Bible, but I just took my ink pen and I made a really big black circle, uh, just a big old black dot next to that word kingdom every time mm -hmm. I saw it. So that way it just stood out on the page to me. And I began to go, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God is everywhere in this thing, like kingdom, 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 kingdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think for me, that that was actually a big point that began the turning process because I began I began to go, what is this all about? And my curiosity, hunger, you know, and curiosity began to cause me to go like, I, I want truth. And in my, in my desire, my hunger, my curiosity, I found the spirit of truth who reveals Jesus so well. I found the teacher who te teaches us about the teacher, you know, and, uh, yeah. and he did that so beautifully. And in doing so, you end up seeing God over a system over time, more appropriately, more rightly. Uh, I think discipleship did have a little bit to do with it. Um, but I, yeah. I think, I think honestly, for me, it was more of my daily encounters, to be honest. And when it came out of the discipline of the word and then really just going, okay, I, what, what, what's your kingdom? Like that was my biggest one. I didn't understand that because I didn't grow up in a church that ever, I, I'd never even heard of the kingdom of God, um, you know? And mm -hmm. so I'd, I'd heard the phrase maybe a time or two. And my, my thoughts were it's perhaps old Testament Israel or, or a future heaven that we will go to when we die. I had no concept of. Yeah. of kingdom. And I think for me, that renewing of the mind of seeing God as a father really, really came out of, out of my word. Honestly, I'm a verbal processor. So yeah. answering your question, I think probably time in the word probably would be the most influential, so but, um, then there was one more encounter though. And we'll probably talk about that one a little bit later on. I'm guessing, I don't know, because uh, it was a big one. I'm sure it'll come up at some point. But when I was 18, I had another encounter, and uh, that one was a radically different encounter. But I would say on the end of that, probably several months after that one, would be where where my verbiage began to change, and I actually began to approach him as father, and I began to pray as father, and it became natural, very natural for me to just go, father. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, but it, it is, it's it's a thing. I think you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I think, you know, yeah. I think when God touches us in moments of whether it's spirit baptisms or impartations or whatever language you want to use, right? Um, 
when God touches us, that's a really special, beautiful thing. But we have years of history behind us. And so I can be yeah. touched by God in a moment. Mm. You know, um, uh, you know, you can be you can be in your 40s or 50s or whatever it may be and be touched by God. And in that one touch, God marks you for the rest of your life. And, and that one touch has the potential to change everything. But you actually might have 30 mm -hmm. years of thinking behind you that that needs to be rewired yeah. and uh, he does the heavy lifting yeah. but our but we we also have a process to become disciples to become learners right and i think that learning thing so is a good thing i love it and that's a great great articulation thank you for that yeah so it's fun yeah it's really good it's it's interesting that you said the thing about not hearing about the kingdom because i i would bet there's quite a few people I think the two biggest frustrations I had once I was filled with Holy Spirit was, was one that no one ever told me I could hear God for myself without being the big person on stage. Like it always was like, if I want to see somebody healed under my own hands, or if I want to hear God, I got to be a prophet or I got to be a televangelist. Like I, and I'm not that, so I'm not going to hear him. And, uh, and then the other one was, was the kingdom. I was like, why have I grown up in the church my whole life? And I've been taught the gospel one way. And then you see the gospel Jesus taught was much different than what I heard my whole life. You right. know, it was to, to hear that, that his, his good news was there's a kingdom and there's a father and the, I'm going to be the access point for you. And yes, I, I'm going to die and everything. So you could be a part of this kingdom, but the good news is there's a kingdom with a father and uh man that's that's life changing and there might even be people listening right now that have never really heard that or heard that drawn out and then you read scripture you read scripture in the way you've been taught oftentimes and so you overlook right even those verses typically unless you have a moment like you had where you're like wait a second why does this keep popping up uh, but a lot of people read those read over those scriptures and just don't think anything of it because they've been taught one way and their their minds are are in a way, in a sense, renewed to a certain theology uh, that makes them even overlook it. So that's that was kind of interesting to me that you brought that out. Yeah, no, I I think too. I, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I the church that I pastor is called Kingdom Church. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> in my world, a lot of the people that I'm I'm surrounded by are familiar with with the Kingdom of God. And I, uh, however, there are environments I, I get to travel to and minister in at times, and that's an extremely foreign concept to them. And so I, I sometimes forget how it was once radically foreign to me as well, because um, it, it can be really easy to live just like in anything we do in life to be in an echo chamber. And uh, especially whenever you're the pastor of a church, um, you tend to have a lot of people that that have a similar theological bend or worldview. Not everybody does, but, but when you're a local congregation, the majority probably have a pretty similar theology. Um, you know, otherwise they probably wouldn't hang out at that church, right? <laughs> um, they'd find another place, uh, most likely. And so it, it can be easy to forget that, but yeah, I, I had, I didn't have a grid for any of that. And, uh, so for me, you know, I, I had, I was my senior year of high school, I started reading, like I said, the gospel of Matthew. I saw that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And, and I didn't know what to do with that. And so I just, I did what I said. I started circling it 
And I just started reading it, putting this dot next to it, just going to the kingdom. And I read, I've read the gospel of Matthew over, over two years. I probably read it several dozen times easily. Uh, I didn't go anywhere else in the entire Bible. I just reread Matthew over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I didn't even read the other gospels. I just became preoccupied with what Jesus was saying there. And, uh, and it was really fascinating to me. And honestly, I kept running into a brick wall. Uh, there was no revelation. There was no understanding. And so I, so it's like, okay, I don't understand this. I don't know what the kingdom is. I didn't have resources. I didn't have books. I didn't have, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't under, I didn't even know of like a, you could talk about like charismatic renewal and things that have happened. Well, where I was in my life. I didn't know of, of even though I, I grew up in this Pentecostal household, I didn't know of so many of the revivals or things that had gone on, uh, even with even with like Catherine Coolin and Amy, Amy Simple McPherson, you know, uh, I, I hadn't heard of these stories. And so I was really the, in this, you know, echo chamber. And so I didn't even have resources to turn to. So I just read the book of God, the, the Gospel of Matthew. I don't, I don't get it. So I'll read it again. I, I don't, I don't see it. I'm going to read it again. And I did that honestly a dozen, two dozen times. Um, and then I, I was 18, I was in school of ministry and somebody so graciously paid for me to go on this ministry trip to Auckland, New Zealand, which was great because it's New Zealand, right? I'm 18 year old. I've never been out of the country. So I get to go to New Zealand for the first time. And uh, while I'm there, we're at this, they're at this church in New Zealand. And I wish, I think it's Encounter Christian Center. I can't fully remember the name of it. It's something along those lines, you know, typical charismatic church, right? Um, but I'd never been in that environment. And so I show up and there's people that are laughing. They, they appear as though they're drunk. They're, they're stammering over one another, tripping all over the place. The entire service to me appears extremely chaotic, um, and, and the whole thing is radically offensive to me, uh, because my view of God was he is holy and he is a general, you know, and this is chaos. This is wild. This is the wild, wild west. And so I, I was deeply offended at all of it. And I was really upset. I wanted to walk out of the building, but I couldn't because, uh, somebody paid for my way to be there all the way, you know, and so I, I was stuck there. And so day one goes and I'm seeing and it's all the same manifestations over and over and over again, you know, and, and I'm going, this is crazy people flopping around like fish and uh, gibberish all over the place. It didn't sound like tongues. It just sounded like gibberish stammer, you know, just whatever. This is just stupid is what I thought. Well, three days into it, we're, we're, we're three days into it and I'm sitting there and I'm in the front row. And, uh, and I'm there and I'm going, oh, man, my heart senses the presence of the spirit. Like I, I know the spirit, he's my friend. I know him and I'm, I'm going, I recognize him, but my mind hates every last thing I see. Cause it seems so <laughs> disingenuous, you know, it just seems yeah. so uh, like a mockery. And, uh, but my heart is just going, it's getting softer and softer because I, I know the spirit. I know him. And so he's the one that I met as a sophomore that pulled me into the father's heart when I had that vision, you know, like he, I know him. And, and so here I am the same one that pulled me into the father's heart where I had this vision. I can sense him standing next to me in this room smiling. But for me, everything that's going on in the room is absolute chaos and I, I don't like mm. it. 
But because I feel him and I sense him, I open up and I just go, okay, Lord, if this stuff is you, I'm in. Just, you can, whatever you want, I'm in. And so that was my heart throughout that service. And, uh, and towards the end of the night, uh, this guy, his, his name's Brent, and he's up on stage, Brent Douglas. And he goes, all right, I'm going to come down and I'm, I'm going to lay hands on people. And he starts laying hands. You, you guys have seen it, I'm sure. He starts laying hands on people. Uh, well, or at least Justin, I know you have, Ryan. I'm sure you have. And he starts laying hands on people. And, and, and man, they're, they're not just falling over. They're like violently shaking. They're going back three or four feet. And I'm going, all right, Lord, here I am. I throw my hands up. You know, all right, here, I'm, I'm ready. He puts his hand on me, and, and I feel nothing, man. I don't even have a goosebump on my body, right? Like nothing at all. And so he goes to pray for the person next to me. And there's like, you know, a 100 people to my right that are just shaking on the floor violently, and I'm standing there. And uh, I'm going, Lord, I shut my eyes and go, God, I, I, I just – became okay with this being you like like i just resigned my heart to this could possibly be you is this not you are you mad at me do i have sin in my heart what's going on right all those things and so my eyes are closed and that conversation's happening in, in a second as as is right real time and brent without knowing i'm having this conversation with the lord where i'm honestly just disappointed he turns around and he lays his hands very gently on my chest. And it was like a lightning bolt went through my entire body. Um, I, I think, I don't know. I, I joke when I tell the story, but I'm not joking that an angel may have punched me. I really don't know because <laughs> I, I flew back about four rows of chairs. And for the next 40 minutes or so, I just violently shook under God's power. Was, was there a deliverance? Was there, I just, I don't know what happened. I just don't know. Um, but I got up and when I got up, here's what I know. I'd been in church my entire life and I had never experienced it. I had experienced his presence. I experienced his love and I've been in church my entire life, but I had never once experienced power like that. And so I got up and mm. I prayed a very simple prayer and I said, Lord, and I was, I was a drunken mess. You know, I was, I was stammering now. And I said, God, when I, when I pray for people and when I lay my hands on people, will you do that to them? What you just did to me. And he simply said, Yes. And so that, that was that. So I go home, I fly back, I'm, I'm back in the States. And it was like maybe a week, maybe two weeks later, it's real, real close to that. And I'm in my apartment. And I'm, I'm reading my Bible, I'm spending time with the Lord. And all of a sudden, his presence comes upon me and I fall over in my apartment. Now, this is the second time I've fallen over Well, third time in my life. The first time was in that vision I had of of him showing me his love. And so this is not a normal thing for me. So I fall over in God's presence in my apartment with no one around. And, and I had my, my third vision in my life. And in this one, I saw a, a hand reach down and into the Bible and the Bible was laid open and it pulled out a bow and an arrow, pulled back an arrow and on pulled back the arrow, like in the bow. And on the arrow was, was written first Corinthians four twenty. And it was released and it pierced my heart, went straight into my chest. And I heard a voice say, this will forever define your ministry. And so, uh, so I, after that encounter, looked up 1 Corinthians 4.20, well, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And for me, I was excited about the kingdom thing, but because I just experienced power, I was much more excited about the power because uh, I'd never had power before and I'd never experienced power before, but I just tasted power. So I was really excited about that. 
So I spent the next two or three years of my life just studying healing, studying the power of God, studying uh, revival and demonstrations of God's power coming on massive groups of people. Um, I, I began to watch every video I could get my hands on of revival, of, of different revivalists, you know, big names, no names. And because I, I began, to, I just said, all I knew is the Lord told me that power was going to mark my life. And we began to see wow. power more frequently. We began to lay my hands on people. And sure enough, the Lord, the Lord touched them. Not every time, but most of the time. It began, it was pretty frequent. And, uh, and that began, but I didn't have a theology for it. I didn't have a grid for it. I just simply knew the way God touched me and then the vision I had. And so that I asked him if he would do that. And he said, yes. So I just reserved in my, like re, let, let my heart became resolved to, I'm going to pray for people and let God do his thing. And, uh, but then after a few mm. years of that, and we began to see God's power specifically on the front end, it, it, it began with a lot of deliverances. Um, and then we began to see more healings for me. Uh, I love global awakening and I love the word of knowledge. For me, the most I the most uh, healings I ever see are unintentional. It's not by leaning in for words of knowledge, and I love that. I honor that. I'm trying to grow in that for my global awakening family. Right? It's beautiful, and it leaves me jaw dropped. It's just so cool to see. For me, the most the creative miracles and all of those things they happen the most simply whenever whenever I'm moving in power, whether it's in the streets or in a church service. And, uh, but after about three years of, of that going, okay, God, you said you're going to mark me with power. I want to see that I'm going in for that. Um, I, I had this moment one day and it just like, Oh, first Corinthians four twenty, the kingdom. Oh, I was studying the kingdom in Matthew. And like, it came together and I said, okay, the kingdom's going to be what marks my life. And the kingdom happens to move in power and I'm already moving in power. So that means there's something to the kingdom that I, I'm moving in that I don't even know about. And the wheels just began to click and turn. And it was almost like dominoes after that point that, that revelation just began to flow kind of about citizenship, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, uh, sonship, things like that. Just kind of, I, I don't know why it was just like a dam broke and, and, you know, little thing by little thing, I just understanding and wisdom and revelation began to come. And I'm still a student of the word and I'm growing and definitely don't have it all. But, but that, that was around the time frame that I began to go, Oh, wow. I, 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 yeah, he's a father. Wow. There's a kingdom like what you were saying, Brian. And so that's a, that's a little bit of that story to kind of encapsulate the beginnings of a lot of my life ministry and all that. Uh, I want to pause just to, to let the, the listeners, uh, cue in on this that for me like my experience is revival and renewal I was Baptist for a lot of years had a power encounter basically left all sold all to pursue the presence the glory of God so like my my wheelhouse is this that you're talking about the power presence and glory of God and I'm just saying like um, as as someone who's familiar with that space uh, Ryan uh, you are I have never watched anybody move like you um, I, I am enamored with this and I we're friends and I, and I value our friendship and I, I've just been intrigued by these people that I watch who move in the glory and carry the tangible presence of God. So I want that to be known for people that are just listening the first time and, and hearing your story, that there's a consistent theme that you've told multiple times in our short interview so far where you had an encounter 
with a facet uh, of the of the the persona of God, uh, the the multifaceted glory of God, where you encountered Him in a different way that you did not understand, but after that you intentionally pursued Him, uh, and that was either through study of the Word, um, through studying revival history. And I, I feel like it's very important for somebody because there's so many missing links. I'll talk to people all the time and they're like, how did you get from A to B? Yeah. And this is it, guys. This is where it's at. It's like there's an encounter, but you steward the encounter. And the stewardship of the encounter looks like work. It actually looks like intentionality. It looks like your time, effort, and energy. And uh, thank you for articulating that so well. Because guys, like... Uh, Ryan's a real deal, uh, and we'll get into this in a minute, but like I've not seen anybody move quite like you ever, and there's consistent uh, fruit uh, with regularity all the time. It's not just hit or miss. It's like all the time, and I think it has to do with like encounter, uh, stewarded well leads to encounter, leads to encounter, leads to encounter, and so on and so forth, but that's good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, because it's like the encounter, it's similar to a prophetic word. The encounter is... Uh, God, God starting construction, you know, and it's like, it's, it's the, it's the starting point of process and it, there's going to be, there's something to lean into. It's saying life's going to look different in the future. And there's some things that have to change to get you there. Um, so we have that opportunity to lean into it or not. Uh, and I, I've seen, I've, I've seen people squander encounters. I I think I've even done that in my own life and had to go back and repent and be like, okay, God, I, I did not Same. lean into what that what you invited me into with that, um, Ryan. I wanted to say, um, are you familiar with Doctor James Maloney at all? I am. Yeah. So I've I've gotten to spend some time with him here or there and ask him some questions and stuff. Like obviously he's no longer with us. Um, and, and man, we need a, a James Maloney right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he so those those who don't know James Maloney's. Uh, uh, was a prophet, um, one of had one of the most prolific healing ministries on the planet. Operated very similar to William Branham, and the fact that he would just kind of see over people uh, a panoramic vision or like a video play of what happened to them, and he would tell you everything about it. And by the time he got done, you'd be healed. Um, or he would minister with an angel, um, and. A lot of times not even lay hands on people and they would get healed in front of everyone. So I, I've watched people grow, you know, six inches, eight inches taller. I've watched people, um, their faces change as they got healed of different things. I watched somebody's nose reform. I watched somebody who had a, a bulldog jaw, their jaw dropped, went back in and went up, um, into place. I like the craziest stuff, uh, uh, screws and things burning out of people's bodies and you can smell it pacemakers burning out you can it's nasty um and you can wow. smell it but he's not even touching them uh but anyway so I, ryan i bring that up um when you said the thing with new zealand and you you said that he put his hand on you gently but then lightning hit you you got thrown back and you said you jokingly said you know oh it, it could have been an angel um are you familiar with uh, him talking about the shell of unbelief? He didn't talk about it a lot, but have you ever heard Maloney talk about that? I don't think I have. This is pretty fascinating. The second you said that, I thought that that's what this is. Um, so he talked about that because I asked him a lot of questions around healing and specifically. 
And at our, the church I was at, he actually ended up doing this. Like he talked, he, uh, he talked to our pastor about this and I was in this conversation specifically. And our pastor was like, can you pray that at our church? Um, it's one of the few things that he would actually like fully lay hands on people for. Um, and it was, he talked about in America specifically, um, we have a shell of unbelief around our heart and most people don't like have no clue. And so you have a lot of ble- people that even are open to the supernatural, but then they have so much trouble getting healed or believing that God would want to heal them or doubting everything. And it comes down to the shell of unbelief. And so he would, and he was big on deliverance, very, uh, Derek Prince esque deliverance. And he did a mass deliverance in our church. It was one of the craziest thing I ever experienced where he sat on the stage and delivered <laughs> everyone and just like name stuff and people are gagging and coughing and you know, all that. Um, but he, uh, so he would, he literally had everyone line up and just one by one, he put a hand gently, just gently on your chest. And when he would pull his hand away, it was like you got kicked in the chest. It actually hurt. It felt like you got kicked by a horse in your chest and people get thrown backwards. And, um, it was a, an encounter and it was, it was, he was ministering partnered with an angel is kind of what he would talk about. But that angel would minister this, this breaking of the shell of unbelief that was on people's hearts. And so it's kind of interesting because you said that about that encounter, but then you said, and then I went and prayed for that same thing to happen, like when I pray for people. And it makes me think, especially if you started to move in deliverance, that really sounds like that's part of the anointing that's on your life. And actually, even before yeah. that, I heard I heard the Lord say, um, I've created him to be a strong man to bind the strong man. And so mm. before you went into that whole story, um, I was hearing that. I don't even fully understand what that means. But there's something about who you are that God has created you as a strong man to bind the strong man, um, and so I think I think that's part of your ministry is is the breaking off of unbelief uh, off of people's hearts, which would lead to deliverance. It would, and 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 this is the other thing. I I asked Maloney the the question: How much of sickness is sin? And I don't know that he's ever shared this publicly, um, but when I asked him that, he said about ninety five percent is a sin he's like it's open doors in people's lives it's it's them disobeying god it's not always blatant stuff but like most of the sickness we experience is that the other five percent is just typical human decay uh and you know as you get older your body breaks down that sort of thing and um and so even that like i think in the healing ministry we don't really talk about this too much and i don't know that the common person who's learning how to pray for the sick really needs to know this but i think that there's different types of healing like i think Words and knowledge is really, uh, um, you know, it's, it's tapping into the prophetic, but like, especially like creative miracles are like in the realm of the prophetic more than anything. And then there's like healings that come out of deliverance, which we don't talk about very much, but there are healings that come out of that, that it's not even necessarily going after the healing. But if you get the person delivered of something, they get healed physically because that thing was causing that or was the open door. Um, then there's infirmity and all that kind of stuff. Um, so anyways, I, I had both of those things pop into my head as you're telling the story. And I'm like, oh, I feel like this is a lot of the ministry that you have is this breaking off the shell of unbelief. And then also it's 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 that deliverance-esque thing that's on your life to deliver people of unbelief. But it's like it's a it is a deliverance thing. And as you deliver them, yeah, people, there's going to be healings. Whether you go after it or not, there's going to be people that get healed. There's going to be people that other things are restored because the power of God moving through you is a breaker uh, anointing to, to open up stuff for them to receive the kingdom. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you, man. I pre- love hearing that. I appreciate you sharing that one. I love that. 
Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's a beautiful thing. I, I do think you know uh, it's fun to get around prophets and have conversations about this, but there's not, at least in my world, still to this date, there's not many who are not prophets or highly prophetic that that would dive into conversations about like ministering with angels in a realm, you know, and and it's a real thing. It really is, and I think especially. Uh, whenever you start like moving in power and moving in glory. Um, one of the prayers I've often prayed is God open my eyes that I can see what you're doing. Uh, I've, I've prayed that so consistently and, mm. and I, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a seer. I'm, I'm prophetic, but I'm not a prophet. Um, and I'm not a seer, you know, where I go into places and I just start seeing things all over the place. But oftentimes whenever, whether it's in a grocery store or in a, in a corporate church service, Whenever it comes time to really begin to pray for something, there is oftentimes a seeing, and my seeing occasionally is a, a vision where something plays out about that person's life. That happens sometimes, not often. Normally what I see is actually uh, the presence of, of the angelic ministering to people, and I just step in line with actually what mm. I see God doing in that realm. Um, and so that's kind of a unique mm. one, and it's not always the case. That's That's not always the case, but... It's just hearing you talk even about the angelic, I think sometimes, you know, prophets love having those conversations or at least are more open to them. Um, but that's not one that, that I hear talked about all the time, even even in the circles I run with, you know. And so, well, since since you brought it up, like, <laughs> let's 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 dig in a little bit, because <laughs> this guy right here is. I'm in, I'm intrigued by what you're talking about, and it kind of rolls into some of the questions that I had written down that I, I wanted to talk to you about, um, which several of them here kind of could roll into one. But if you're talking about glory, if you're talking about the kingdom's not just talk, but it's power, 1 Corinthians 4.20, and it's it's the kingdom and it's power, right? And we're talking about encounters, like power encounters. You talked about lightning hitting you, throwing you back four rows. Uh, in 2014, when when I was in Honduras and I received my first like powerful impartation, I was out for three and a half hours shaking under the power of God. Just something different, right? Uh, my spiritual papa is Randy Clark. I've gone around the world with him. You guys have all had experienced that. He carries a unique mandate and mantle for power encounters, yeah. right? And one thing that I noticed as I traveled the world with him and got to to be mentored by him was how and, and being a prophetic seer type, you know, I, I don't see all the time. I see a lot of the times and there was never a time that I can ever remember that Randy went for an impartation setting where angels were not present and there were commissioning angels and there were angels that came to give things from heavenly places. And I know this is a dicey maybe subject to get into, but I'm telling you every single one of those meetings I've ever attended, people left radically different. Now they may not have been able to articulate what happened, but there was a, a significant level up in the spirit that took place. And, you know, as we, we look at, Hey, your relationship with the Holy spirit. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was how do you steward the glory? Um, because I would say if, if I'm defining it, there's a difference between the anointing and the glory. The anointing will make you preach better, sing better, teach better, look better. So people hear the message that's on your life and turn to Jesus. But when the glory of the Lord, that heavy, weighty kabod, kabod, rest on you, nobody looks good in that. It's a hot mess. You know, you, you talked about how when you first encountered 
um, the the Holy Spirit. It was offensive to your mind. Right. But the the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. I've been with Him. This is Him. But it it offends my mind. How do you steward that glory? And like I call it the beautiful mess, or or John Wimber would call it the dancing hand of the Lord. And I used to, with my Baptist mind, say decent and in order. And I'd hear these Pentecostals say, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Yeah, that's not true. Right. You know, when he's throwing people around and, and they're shaking on the floor, I don't believe that. But what what do you what do you say about that? What does that look like with you and, and the stewardship of the glory, the encounter, the mess? How do you steward a mess like that? Like as a pastor, dude, you're you're a pastor, yeah. bro. You know, like you're you're an apostolic leader, but you're a pastor of Kingdom Church in St. Louis. I've been there. And I've always wrestled with this thing. I've done the conference renewal circuit and I've wondered, can they coexist? Can the local church operate in the same glory? And I think it's different, but you guys have walked that balance so well. How do you do that? How do you steward the glory of the Lord as a, as a pastor? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm really one that's totally qualified to answer that one. Um, but man, I, I think I, I, I'm going to try to break this into two parts, you know, in the sense of one, you can never steward anything in your church that you don't steward in your life. Right. And so um, I can't, I can't steward the glory of God in our church. Well, if I don't, if I don't know how to just sit in his glory Hmm. on monday tuesday wednesday like it's going to be for me that's that's like it's it's actually and and i think so like you can't yeah i can't just i don't know how how a person could steward it in a ministry without stewarding it Hmm. just in their own hearts and for me the stewarding of the glory whether it's corporately or individually comes down to not the manifestations, not, not even the power and the signs and the wonders, but a deep respect for the person of the spirit. Like I just, I love, I love God and I want him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's really all there is to it, man. Like Mm. I just, I really want him. I want, there's nothing. I don't know what else to say. Like that's that. Like I, I, I want to sit with him. I want to hear his voice. Hmm. I, I want, I want to feel his touch. I, I love to see the redeemer redeem. Like, oh man, you know when you get to see somebody who's been through through hell redeemed. Oh, it's like you know. I, I just, I love him. I love him. Hmm. And, and Mm. for me though, whenever it comes to like, what, what is it that brings the glory of God into a room? I think there's a swirl of things here. I think on one aspect, there's a sovereign element. Um, But I think on another aspect, there's, there's a history with God that the principal minister has. So there's this history that comes into the room. There's the sovereign, the Lord wants Mm. to be there and do this in this meeting. Um, and then, and then I think there's this other aspect that's just adoration. And whether that looks like an hour and a half long worship set or the principal minister's heart just being fully bowed down 
And I, I think there's this uh, not brokenness in an unhealthy way, but a broken humility that simply just says, Lord, I, I, I genuinely, I want to see you tonight. I, 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 I want to see you. I want to be caught up. I want, I want these people to see you and to be caught up. Um, but it all, to me, it, I, the manifest, like, it's fun. You know, you, you come out after you get out of a service where the glory falls, it's great to debrief and go, oh man, did you see this? Did you see that? <laughs> Bro, back in that room, there was this pocket that was just hot back there. Did you see this person's face? Oh, it was <laughs> hilarious. Like the debriefing is fine. Like the manifestations are exciting. Uh, it's just crazy. I love, I love to see what he does. Um, you see that person look like they just got tased for real. Like, Oh man, that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, uh, it's fun. It's a blast. Uh, I, I love that's, that's the thing. It's like the annoying is actually really fun. The glory is fun. The heaviness is fun. Uh, I think that, like you said, the glory brings this awareness, this holiness, this holy fear that also goes, Whew, I just want to back up and not touch anything. I don't want to mess it up. Like the Lord is here. This is wildly, beautifully him. Um, but I think that has to be stewarded in your life and your personal life. Like for me, I, I, I mean it, I'm not trying to just throw everything to a Sunday school answer, but I, I mean it like, like I, I, I want the glory of the Lord. And, and for me, when I say that, the first thing I go to is scripture tells us that the glory of the Lord is, is seen in the face of Jesus. And, and that mm -hmm. like, I, so I have, I have so often, I have, mm -hmm. I have so often in my chair in the morning, just sat down and I'm probably sound like an idiot to people listening, but put my hands in front of my face as if I'm grabbing his face and just said, I, I want to look at you, you know, like, I just want to look at you. And that's all like that. If, if, if I can see him, I, I am fully, I'm fully satisfied, but that's the thing about him and yeah. his glory, right? Is there's nothing in this world that will actually satisfy you like him, his presence, his glory. But then once you experience that, nothing leaves you wanting more than that. Uh, so he, he both fully satisfies and leaves you wanting. And it's this paradox that's beautiful. Um, and that's just the way he is. He's, he's, he's beautiful. <laughs> he's beautiful. So and like, I think that's the thing, though. And then whenever it comes to like stewarding things corporately, you know, um, for me, all it's that same principle. I just, I know it's going to be messy, and there's times where it is messy, and there's times where where the glory's fallen. And Justin, I think I talked to you about it once, and and I just go, I don't know what to do. And when that happens, I don't want to yeah. do anything. Like, if I don't know mm -hmm. what to do, I definitely don't want to do something. Um, and so yeah. I don't do something. I just wait until until I feel confident. Um, so good, but for me, I'm not interested in our church. I, I know what the Lord's spoken over our house and what we're to accomplish in St. Louis, but I'm not interested in, and in just, you know, playing the church American church game or the church growth game. I, I, I want to do what he's called me to do. I want to do what he's called this church to do. And, and part of that, I know, I know beyond a shadow of doubt, what he's called us to do is to steward glory and host glory. And so corporately, now, we, yeah. I would say his presence is with us every single week, no doubt about it. But 
I would say it's it's probably once every couple months where there's a night where legitimately the glory comes crashing in. And I'm talking, uh, I'm not talking like a few people get drunk or in the spirit or something like that, but like it's the, it, it's just heavy, scary, good. And um, yeah, I think for me, like how do you steward that corporately? You know, there's this conviction in my heart that if he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And, and for me, like when God started at, called us to start this church, um, you know, we, we're not, I'm not a church growth expert. I, 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 I wish I knew more than what I do. Right. And I'm thankfully connecting mm-hmm. with people who can help me out a little bit there, but I'm not a church growth expert and I want to know more than what I do. And we want to do things with excellence, but it, but there is also this this thing in, in me that just simply says, if I can just get people to Jesus, it's all going to work out. Yeah. Like if I can just get them to Jesus, mm-hmm. it's all going to work mm-hmm. out. And so, and then when when the glory falls, you know, and like you talk about stewarding that corporately, you know this. You've been in those services. You know, it, it can be a holy chaos. You've got you've got the spirit, you've got the flesh, and you've got the demonic, and sometimes all three in one person at the same time. You know, so it's like you rebuke him or not rebuke him because it's all three right there, same person, same time, you know. (laughs) So it's like the spirit's moving. So their flesh is going, but the demon's leaving now, (laughs) like all there. (laughs) So, uh, But one of the things I often say in moments where the glory of God begins to fall on the service is I really like to remind people of of two, two key things. One is the the first time I went to a country, uh, or well not yeah well not to New Zealand because they're they're pretty Western, but the first time I went to a country that was wildly different, you know, than us, you know, um, here in the West, uh, I remember seeing things that were absolutely weird to me. Um, you know, the first time I had to throw toilet paper away instead of flush it down the toilet. That's weird to me, and I just remind I remind mm. people, I remind people. They, they, when weird is only, it's only defined by the absence of your normal, right? Weird is just, it's not your normal. That's all it is. And so if I go to Asia, there's going to be some things in Asia that seem weird to me as a Midwestern American in St. Louis. There's just going to be some things in Asia that are a little bit weird to me, but it's only weird because it's not my normal. And I always try to remind people in the services that the Holy Spirit is not American. Uh, and so his normal is going to look a little different than my Midwestern American uh, normal is. Let alone is he not not is he only is he not Come American? On. He's actually not even human. And so his normal is oh going to just be a little bit weird mm. at times. Mm. And so I, I sometimes hear people say things like the Holy Spirit's not weird, and I, I always gently push back on that one. Sometimes not so gently, but push back on that one uh, <laughs> because what we've done is we've we've actually trained people now that anything that is weird is heresy and kundalini mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. But the reality <laughs> of it is is that's not the case. It's just we've told people that anything that's weird can't be God because Holy Spirit's not weird, yeah. right? Um, but I just like to remind people, first off, the Holy Spirit's not American, let alone human. Uh, the second thing I like to remind people is that he is he is heaven's administrator. Um, he's really, really good at carrying out heaven's work. Like he is an, an unbelievable wow. administrator. And I, yeah. I know uh, I've been to some administrators' desks, and sometimes when you go to their desk, they have papers everywhere, they got stuff everywhere, and it seems chaotic and, and disorganized. Uh, 
Uh, but if I were to say, you know, hey, I, I need, can you remind me of this? They can pull up what I need relatively quickly. They know how to get what they need where, when they need mm-hmm. it, um, even though I might not understand their workflow. And the thing is, is, is Holy Spirit's a great That's administrator. Good. And so he can be doing 20 things in a room or even a hundred things. Or if the room has a thousand people, he can be doing a thousand different things in the room. And it, his so desk good. might be a little bit chaotic and wild, but it doesn't mean hmm. he's not efficient and he's not good at his job. And it doesn't mean it is chaotic. It's just, he, he's, he's, he's actually a really proficient administrator. And when you're in the middle of administrating and you're in the middle of a job, typically your desk looks clean when you finish the job, not when you're in the middle of it. And so I try to remind people so that, that that whenever God's moving in a room, it might look a little chaotic, but that's that's actually because he's in the middle of a job right now. And so um, those are a couple of ways I just kind of bring a little bit of lightheartedness <laughs> to sometimes this intense glory. Uh, you know, I try both of those little analogies make people smile and laugh in the mid of in the midst of them getting absolutely wrecked. You know, and it brings some lightheartedness and diffuses maybe a few people that might be what in the world's going on here? And, and uh, we can jump into theology and history and all that st- stuff later on. But I, I go to those two things quite often to steward a corporate moment, especially outside of home, like my home church here, uh, Kingdom Church. Um, there's, you know, I, I don't travel like you do, Ryan uh, or um, Justin, but I do travel some. And whenever I go into new environments, most often when I go into a new environment now at this point, uh, they bring me in because their 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 church has not had the active ministry of of the Holy Spirit with like great glory or demonstrations of power, and they've not had power encounters. Um, in fact, many times I go into places where where uh, the prophetic is kind of flowing, but there's not just been impartations, and there's not been spirit baptisms, and there's not just been that everybody's getting tased that type of thing, and uh, there's not ministries getting started. And there's, there's just kind of like a lot of good things are happening, but it's like nobody's being sent. Uh, and it seems like for me, a lot of times I, I end up in places like that. And normally I do about two to three services. And normally the first service, we just walk people in and we end it with a lot of words of knowledge. Uh, but normally two, service number two and service number three, it's full on Holy Spirit come and it's glory. And I'll use both of those kind of analogies to steward in the moment something, even in a foreign environment. So I don't know. Hopefully that mm. that answers the question. That was a long, got a verbal processor here, man. So yeah, ask. I'm going to talk. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that definitely answered Justin's question about you know can the can glory coexist with the local church? Yeah, it totally and can. I think it makes yeah it, it makes sense that. You're going to have the chaos, but you being able to actually bring some definition to it, you know, use use those examples. Um, what, what I find is like people are really uh, we're we're afraid of what we don't understand. That's just true of humans in general, like in any aspect. Um, and not that we're going to fully understand Holy Spirit, but if we can understand some of the some of that, like just some of what you explained, some of the basic purpose behind why would it be chaotic. Um, that can be very helpful to people. Um, I want to, uh, I want to ask you a question. I, here in a moment, I'm going to, I want to get into, uh, some practical stuff. I, I really feel like leaning into, um, as we're talking about glory and, and just that realm of things and the, the chaotic beauty of Holy Spirit, 
there's not a lot of people that define or or bring greater clarity on the practical end of mysticism and like that stuff that's more in the mystical end of of you know all of christianity is mystical ultimately but like that that glory realm the stuff that freaks people out the stuff that is so outside of our normal that we experience in those kinds of uh, kinds of settings um i have some some practical questions i want to talk through but uh before that i want to ask this question and uh i want to hear like what what is the most uh the most offensive thing that you've experienced in one of those environments or the thing that like offended people the most or even offended you as you were leading one of those environments uh and so we're gonna we'll we'll get back to that question i'm gonna end this part this is gonna be part one of our our conversation so i'm gonna end this here um but when we get back we'll hear the answer to to that question about what the most offensive thing is that you've experienced in those environments uh so if you've enjoyed this podcast Please share this with your friends, send it to your grandma, post it on your Facebook, uh, your Instagram, all of it. Uh, make sure you get it out there. And uh, also, if, if this has impacted you in any way, you can go to firemovement.com and you can share with us what, what God's doing through this, this podcast, uh, any testimonies, that sort of thing. Or if you'd like to, you can go to firemovement.com dot com slash support and you can give a one time or monthly gift if you're interested in supporting what's going on here so we can continue to grow the podcast until next time this has been the fire podcast